Open lines means we'll never know where you're going to take the show coming up in just a second. Can go back, can go forward, can go up, can go down. We don't know yet. We'll find out. Uh, I'm going to be doing a podcast coming up on coasttocoastam.com, part of the iHeart Podcast Network and the uh, Paranormal Podcast Network. Uh, It'll drop sometime in the first few days of June. Uh, And I'm not going to play you much of it here, but I'll give you a little sample of what it sounds like. Um, This is an anthology series. So the umbrella for it is called uh, uh, Vaudeville for the Frightened, but there will be a series of limited series shows that will fall under that uh, coming up. Some of them will be eight weeks. Some of them will be four. Some of them will be maybe even longer or shorter. Don't know. But each one of these is episodic, and each one will be separate from the overall theme. But here it is. Um, this is this is Vaudeville for the Frightened intro, which you'll be hearing soon. Thank you to our friends in Pistol Beauty, Andrew Clark in particular, for writing this piece. Ryan Winters for negotiating it for us. And my friend Ed Weigel. I don't know, Ed, who you're going to be rooting for. You know, are you a Panthers guy? In the uh, in the cup coming up, I'm sort of pulling for the stars. I'm looking at these Florida Panthers though. I love that new logo. That's a cool looking logo. But anyway, here we go. This is uh, this is the beginning of Vaudeville for the Frightened. We'll let you know more about the entire podcast series coming up on Coast to Coast AM. Roll it. of audio art, music, interviews, and fiction that will have you wondering, what is there to be afraid of? Here's the Deacon of the Dark, Ian Punnett. There you go. That's what it sounds like. In episode two uh, and uh, we go off for the, there's an eight-episode series to launch Vaudeville for the Frightened. That series is called Bottom of the Box. And more details are coming on Coast to Coast AM. First, let's go to Dave, who's been hanging on the longest on a wild card line in Oregon on Coast to Coast. Dave? Dave, you still there? Dave once? Dave twice? Did we lose Dave? Uh, Let's go to uh, GC in Houston on a wild card line on Coast to Coast. GC? Yeah, this is uh, GC, Carver, Houston, Texas. Uh, I'm 
very concerned about uh, this uh, mark of the beast that seems like everything's being set up for this. Uh, you don't think we've ever had it before? That? Pardon? You don't think we've ever had mark of the beast before? Well, it just looks like everything's being set up. Our banks are being closed down. At, no, and, no. Uh, uh, it's it's. I mean, it's really scary time. Uh, well, if we, that's an interesting thing because if we want to be scared of something, we can be scared of it. But wouldn't you say that human beings being tattooed during World War II as Jews was the mark of the beast? Yeah, well, don't, but it seems like that's the way that the, the world is turning. Everything is. They're trying to get all our, get. Every, the money's going to be turning digital. Uh, I mean, uh, it's it's a really scary time. I'm 82 years old. We're just had right. a birthday three days ago. Mazel tov. And I'm living alone. Uh, my wife passed away, and and, uh, and uh, it's uh, it's just uh, I'm concerned about it, uh, the way the world's turning. And, uh, well, isn't that the natural state of things when we get older, though? Don't we always? Aren't we supposed I don't to? Know. I, I don't know. This is the first time. I've yeah, been that's true. I'm with you there, brother. But um, you know, I think it's a natural process to, as we get older, to want to. When we look back on the world, it's a part of a breakup process, and I think that as we get older and we start to feel our own mortality, that we start to kind of break up with the world and we say, well, it's just not what it used to be because I think it would be horrifying if we were on our deathbeds and we were looking up going, I can't wait for the party tomorrow or something like it. We, we kind of have to almost start to feel like we're letting go of something, but you know, I, I, I will take your word for it uh, because you're older than I am, but I think, you know, I'm 63. This would be, I don't know. The seventh time someone have told me about the mark of the beast, and each time it doesn't come true. <clears throat> so if you say it's going to, like, we're really headed for something great, but there's so many other versions of this that have come up that they just kind of peter out. But maybe that's what this is about. So we'll, just have, we'll keep an eye on it. But you're doing pretty well for a guy who's 82. And again, happy birthday. Bobby is east of the Rockies in West Texas on Coast to Coast AM. Bobby? Yes, hi. Um, I've been a fan of uh, Star Trek from the earliest uh, years. Me too. In 1987, I went to a Star Trek convention in Los Angeles, and one of the events was an auction of Star Trek memorabilia. And I bid on I'm sorry? Cool. I did, yes. I bid on an hourglass that used to belong to Gene Roddenberry. And... I had the certificate of authenticity, but through the years, I mislaid it. I still have the hourglass. It's beautiful. It's like a foot tall. And I actually met Gene Roddenberry's son in 2000, about 2002 or 2003, and he couldn't remember it. What I should have done was reached out to Major, Major Barrett, who was his wife, and she's passed on. Right. So I'm hoping maybe somebody in the audience either was involved in the auction or knows what I'm referring well, to. Well, here's the good news. Did he? So you're saying he autographed it, he signed it, right? No, the certificate of authenticity oh. 
was issued by the organizers of the auction. Right, but and, he didn't sign the hourglass. No, he didn't oh, sign okay. the hourglass. Right. And so I would love to give it a home in some museum. Right. Um, and so if anybody in the audience knows what I'm yeah. talking about, I hope they reach out to the show and we can That's find cool. a home for this beautiful artifact. Yeah, and it could have been just something that was on his desk. Maybe it never even made it to his house, you know, and it was just something that was there. So, okay, interesting. Uh, well, appreciate that, Bobby. I'm a big I'm a big Star Trek fan, and I was just watching this video. It may be a little raw for you, but I thought it was hysterical. Will Wheaton was telling this very sweet story about Gene Roddenberry, but it was highly critical of William Shatner. And it was such a great story about Gene Roddenberry and such an awful story about Bill Shatner. Um, but it's on YouTube if you ever want to try that. It's from Will Wheaton. Uh, and I'd love to get him on the show. He's he's great. Ona Day, first-time caller line in New York on Coast to Coast AM. Ona Day? You know, Ian, there are so many synchronicities just waiting in the queue. First of all, you talked about the ventriloquist. Yeah. And and vaudeville. Yeah. Well, my great uncle, his stage name in vaudeville was Bud Lorraine, the cowboy ventriloquist. <laughs> this dummy we still have from like over oh, a wow. Ago. And That's a relic. This out, man, he was carved by the same dummy maker as made Charlie McCarthy. Okay. Edgar really cool. Bergen. How about the that? Father of the actress Candice Bergen. Oh yeah, no, I know who Candice Bergen is and I know and I know Charlie McCarthy and I know how weird it was at the time when he was doing ventriloquism on the radio because people are like, how can you tell? <laughs> exactly, exactly. And then when he yeah. went on stage, he was like lousy because you could see his lips moving. Oh funny. I didn't know that. That's correct. You know, this is the weirdest thing. So uh, this is like one of those weird synchronicities. But at any rate, um, as I I told your qualifier, um, I was really dead set against your guest. I'm sorry. I wish him well. I want to see this progress so that we can take it down. But Well, let's see what happens. I mean, I can see the limited application. I just don't. You know, we I think we parted ways on the idea that that we're here to eradicate grief. Yeah. But prior to that, I thought, OK, that's a great tool, you know, but I think of it as just kind of a new tech version of a scrapbook. You exactly, know, that, man. I'm just right? three years older than me. I sound a lot younger. Yeah. I look a lot younger. We <laughs> very young in my family for some weird reason. But see now right there, you sound like Mortimer Snurd. All right. Uh, Ona Day, thank you. I got to get to West of the Rockies. Ronald is in Phoenix. On Coast to Coast AM. Ronald? Hi, hi, Ian. Hey. I have some ideas for Coast to Coast AM. Okay, go ahead. Okay, some of my ideas, one of them, one of them for Coast to Coast is to have some, to, um, art history. What about? On, on, on like that guest you had in 2019 that uh, talked about the um, 
Forgeries? Yeah, Forgeries. I like yeah. that. I still have that and, book next to my desk. Yep. And one of the other ideas I have is to talk about the Getty Research Institute and the Getty Conservation Institute. For architecture? For architecture, yes. Yeah. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm, I'm in. Yeah, I think uh, I think architecture. I, uh, it's nothing I'm good at. I mean, I've never tried to be a draftsman. I don't really think about designing, but I do. I am fascinated by that. I have a book um, that I also keep nearby called "How to Read a Church," um, and it's all about all the coded sculptures that go in and all the different um, uh, cornices and all the other things that that have become it in some architecture you know sort of traditional and then other ways that people have done postmodernism and i like that mid-50s design yeah i think that'd be interesting i'll I'll look for that another idea i have coast to coast am needs a a book club they do it does yes we do whatever that whatever that uh pronoun is i'm 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 on board and uh i would like to see it um, some of my ideas go through. Well, wouldn't we all? I mean, I love that, uh, but I do like the book club idea particularly. And I'll I'll wonder with somebody higher up than me why that hasn't happened and see what they have to say because I think that would be a natural. If only like this would be the interesting part. And thank you, Ronald. It would be interesting to see like if a book were coming out in three months. And then we all got advanced copies of the book, and then we all read the book, and then we had the show with the guest, and we would do the book club on the air. I think that's really cool. I like that. Uh, all right, let's go back. Is Dave back on the wild card line, or did we? If, is he I'm gone here. forever? Okay, Dave in Oregon. Go ahead, Dave. <laughs> you uh, you had a guest on there, and they, they, you talked about uh, psychic ability versus intuition. Right. Okay, uh, I used to be a police officer, and I uh, my whole career was as far as my safety. You know, I mean, was just the the proverbial gut feeling, and also intuition, and and how how to read people body language. In fact, I even took a class called the Read Method of Interviewing, and that takes into consideration body language, how people stand, how they walk, how they talk, how they hold their hands. And uh, I guess some people may call that psychic ability. I don't know. I call mm-hmm. it safety. I call it intuition. I call it gut feeling. You know, it can't so here's the problem. Here's, here's my question for you. And I, I'm, I'm fascinated by this because we've had a couple of different guests who have spoken about this, um, some of whom say intuition very helpful for a police officer. Very much other helpful. people, other people who are say lawyers or defense attorneys, say this is what gets police in trouble. That it they can. develop a kind of tunnel vision based on what they think of as being intuition, which turns out to be wrong. But it's very powerful with a police officer who can then uh, myopically focus on a potential suspect. Um, to the exclusion of others based on a faulty um, elevation of their of their intuitive ability it, that is very possible that is very possible you you have to be very 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 broad minded and that's what I was taught 
you have to be very broad-minded when when you interview people or when you talk to people and you get certain feelings or certain vibrations, certain, I'm going to call it a vibe, so to speak. Right. You have to really be open-minded about, you can't be black and white. You know, I mean, even though, you know, maybe there's police officers that are probably listening, but, you know, you know, I, you know, it, uh, it saved my life many, many times, you know, and, but you have to be very understanding about, certain certain things and certain uh demographics certain you know the way people are prejudices uh, yeah. for example or lenses that are not cleaned and so exactly. people come at and a police officer can just decide well you long hair you're all alike exactly. and next thing you know they're making bad decisions based on there, that you, you have you can be you 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 can't be you can't be you can't be prejudicial in in the aspect you no. you have to look at everything from a very very broad spectrum Okay. What do you think your percentage of being correct was? Mine? Yeah. Mine? I I was I was I was I I would honestly say I was correct about 60% of the time. And did 40% of the time ever lead, lead to tragic consequences for the person that you were wrong about? No, I just excluded that 40%. Is what I did. I I'll leave it there. That. I I I'll leave it. That. I'll leave it there. I'll leave it there. That's part of the podcast, by the way, that I'm working on, Dave, um, because I, I think this has come up enough on Coast to Coast where I've been sort of fascinated with this concept. And David Rudolph, the attorney from The Staircase, had a lot to say about what very derisively about so-called police intuition, which he said almost sent a man to death row. Hang on. Last half hour. Open lines. Next. In for George Norrie. This is Ian Punnett. Let's get back to open lines on Coast to Coast AM, and we'll start with the person that's been hanging on the longest, and I believe uh, that is Bob, east of the Rockies in Charleston, or Charlestown. Where I don't know how they pronounce it in Indiana. Is Are you Charlestown? One word, Charlestown. Charlestown, okay, got it. Very close to Louisville. Oh, good. Hey, Bob, go ahead. Uh, I just did not start listening until about 3.30 Eastern, you were talking about uh, uh, Alexa. God, uh, yeah, Alexa. For somebody who's just lost his eyesight about 28 months ago, that is a fantastic tool. And and about books, uh, I've got like almost 140 audible books. Oh, really? I, uh, yeah, a lot of them come with it. Subscription. I don't. I'm not that rich, but <laughs> it, it is a, a fantastic tool. Yeah. And so, do you have them read the book? Do you have Alexa read books? Yes. Uh huh. Oh, that's great. Yeah. What if else? I, if I had a magic wand, I would say, Mister Coach Host, ask the guest <laughs> if the book is on Audible. <laughs> you know, there would and it would go through Alexa. <laughs> and Alexa would call. Yeah, yeah that's, the other thing, that's the funny. thing that I heard was Little Egypt. Can you tell me a little bit about that? Because I, there is a Little Egypt about three miles from my house. And I asked somebody why it's called that, and the guy's 10 years older than me. That would put him at about 86 years old. He didn't know. I don't know that anybody here in town knows uh my little Egypt is, it used to be the Indiana Army Ammunition Plant. And in World War II, 
they test, uh, tested rocket fuel in this area. It's about a mile sure. from the Ohio River. Um, okay, so Little Egypt of Southern Illinois got its name, as I understand it, because like the um, a little bit like how the Nile would flood uh-huh. and would bring very fertile soil uh, to the Nile Valley. Um, when the Mississippi, when the big muddy one would flood, it would back up into southern Illinois. Right. And so it, it gave it the that great, um, you know, those great crop seasons. And that's not probably why it's related to like Cairo, Illinois, as they pronounce uh-huh. it. And there's a couple other towns down around that way that have names that evoke Egypt. Yeah, I can, I can see that because I've... I've been there, you know, back when I had as good of eyesight as anybody else. I used right. to walk over there, and it was very wet, and sometimes there was a foot of water. I don't know if that's why it was called that. I asked the guy that was 86 years old. Right. He said, as far as he knew, the, the only guy that knew died about <laughs> 60 years ago. So. Can't have that. See what happens when somebody passes on and they don't pass along information like that. That's right. Uh, yeah. I think I think part of it, too, was that um, because it was very fertile and the, uh, the temperatures are different, slightly different in southern Illinois than northern Illinois, that just like it was in biblical times— People would have to go to southern Illinois to buy uh, wheat or grain or corn or something like that. So that may be it, too. Hey, appreciate the call, though. That was nice. Good way to get us started for our last half hour on Coast to Coast. Uh, And we go to David in New Mexico on Coast to Coast AM. David? You say they have to go to, uh, to southern Illinois to buy weed? At one point. It was when that they're, they're trying to they were speculating. There's like no like definitive story of why Southern Illinois is called Little Egypt. But that was one of the stories. Oh, I, thought pe- was, I thought the weed was still legal back then. Uh, OK, yeah. Weed. No wheat. Yes. Right. Right now you can get it uh, pretty much everywhere in Illinois. You don't have to travel to Southern Illinois to get weed. Um, right. All right, David, you had a quick thought for open lines. Yeah, well, I'm I'm never so quick, but I I, I thought uh, yeah I do about parent, parental alienation, which ties into your earlier topic of grief, sure. uh, and uh, the parental alienation aspect of it is uh, uh, not often covered when we talk about grief. But but since you're on uh, the little little Egypt, uh, my speculation is that you're correct is that the the Delta flooding aspect yeah. led into the people of the time naming their towns after uh, towns in Egypt, and hence you have Cairo. Right. Cairo, yeah. Egypt. Yeah. Yeah, and, as I uh, mentioned. But but there's also actually another popular theory. Um, I will tell it to you because if I don't, somebody else will. But um, we used to have a guest on regularly who talked about Egyptian gold, an Egyptian treasure that was um, in a— a tunnel or a well or a cave in southern Illinois because in, they were saying that the uh, the early Egyptian seafarers could easily have come all the way up the Mississippi up to about southern Illinois, and that's where they disembarked and brought their treasures with them. And he was in a lifelong process of trying to find that 
missing Egyptian gold. I don't think that was ever verified, or I don't think anybody's ever found anything, but that, that wouldn't stop the History Channel from making nine seasons about it. So, Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah they, they could, but why would they? Well, because they, they were they were seafarers and they were explorers and they were expanding the empire. Now the question is, you know, would those papyrus boats have survived that long? Would they have gone up the? I guess that's a, a question no, a papyrus for papyrus boat would would not make it up the Mississippi at all. Barges are powered by uh, uh, diesel engines with thousands of horsepower, and papyrus are not, so they would never make it up the Mississippi River with a papyrus boat. I wish we had the guest on to take that question, but appreciate that. And uh, and I I have like one minute for your parental alienation comment, if you want to. So right. So you were talking about uh, grief, and uh, and in the context of your earlier conversation, we were mostly talking about uh, as would be expected about grief and when somebody has uh, passed on, uh, somebody who was in your life, and what often gets neglected is, uh, uh, well, in the case of parental alienation, which is uh, uh, one parent pushing the other parent out of the life of the children, usually with the help of the state. Right. There, has to be, there has to be muscle involved. There has to be armed men involved and court orders involved in order to, uh, how, I, I mean, how else otherwise would you get a parent to uh, voluntarily leave the life of their, their own child? They often would not do that. And um, and when that happens, uh, that child is still alive. That child did not die, but there is all but there is grief associated with that, and that has not been addressed very often uh, when we and uh, that I have heard when we get on the topic of grief uh, on these. Uh, oh, that's forums. interesting. Uh, That'd be interesting to to create that sort of avatar of a of a of a father or a mother while that was being adjudicated. Hopefully. Once that child turns 18, that child will eventually perhaps open up their hearts to somebody else. But I appreciate that, David. Good comment. Uh, Let me go to Mary in New Jersey on Coast to Coast. Mary? Oh, how are you tonight? Good. Um, I have a question. Um, Sure. And if you answer yes, then I want to ask you about three statements. Um, When Jesus walked the earth, people asked him when was the end of time, and he said he didn't know, and the angels didn't know. Only the Father in heaven knows. Now that he's seated in heaven, do you believe he knows? You know, I'm, I'm kind of, Mary, we kind of go through this, you and I, don't we? Where you call up and you ask these questions. And I understand you have a theological point of view and witnessing is very helpful. Um, but I, I don't know. It's Friday night. Kind of not in the mood. Um, let me go to Mike on a wild card line on Coast to Coast. Mike? Yes, uh, I was just uh, wanting to mention that the people who receive the mark are the people who are favored in Revelation, favored by the Antichrist, uh, unlike uh, by the Antichrist. Germany. Well, right, the, but the whole point is is the governments and getting involved and all of that, and I don't think any of it has happened where you know you can you can voluntarily put a chip under your skin now for you know, computers or you can have your, you can chip your child and decide that you want to follow your kid wherever your kid goes. But, um, you know, I I, I just don't, yeah, but I'm not going to, I just not in the mood for a theological debate, especially because we only got like 10 minutes left to go. Uh, First time caller line, Bill is in Oklahoma on coast to coast. Bill? 
Hey, Ian, I love hey, yeah. what you do. Um, I, you know, Mom passed away in 2012. Dad passed away in 1992. I grieve so badly. But Mom, when she passed away because of John chapter 3. Okay. They bring you solace. Behold, I show you a mystery. Not all shall sleep. She, after the funeral, I, I heard her speak to me. I heard her. I was grieving for the loss, but Mom had such a blessed life. She lived to be 93 years and six months to the day. We should all be so lucky. Yep. Oh, my God, I was so lucky. Yep. And, you know, after the funeral and, every, and the heirs, and I, I live in this small town, and it was divided three ways, and our house we lived in was such a rat trap and shambles. And my one-third of the inheritance, I live at home, and, I, and I'm, I'm your senior. You're 63. I'm 64, young man. Yeah. You call me freshman. That's fine. I'm home. And yeah. I've always been a spiritual man. And I'll tell you one, one thing about the orbs and another thing about Sylvia Got to have like, got to be quick here because we got other people waiting. So go ahead, Bill. Pick one of those. Sylvia should not confuse meditate with contemplate. There you because go. Because when you meditate, you empty your mind. When you yeah. contemplate, you concentrate on something. But All when right. you meditate, you empty your mind. I think you were talking about Cynthia, the previous caller, Bill, and I appreciate that. I hope she's hearing that. Uh, Caleb is in Utah on Coast to Coast. Caleb? Hi. Hey. Thank you for taking my call. Trying to squeeze you in. Yeah. Um, so I, um, I, quickly, I guess. So in my life, um, I have seen uh, three different Alien beings, um, okay. starting when I was little to, I mean, I'm 32 now. The last time was 20 years old. Um, but uh, I've been thinking about my my experiences. I've always, I think about them constantly. They're always in the back of my head. Um, but something um, that I've been thinking more and more of, especially with, uh, you know, the UFOs being now UAPs, and uh, government saying they're real. And here, I mean, they didn't disclose if they're, you know, who's flying them. But I had a thought occur uh, to me a while ago um, as I was thinking about this. Because uh, uh, the first one, or I should say when I was little, the first one that I seen, um, basically I, from like I was 8, 11 years old, um, it was basically same height as me, but and it this and its skin was white, but it also like had a a white light aura, or you know, kind of about it. Mm-hmm. And um, when I was older, uh, basically like your gray alien, um, they have no light; they're just plain and black, or you know, just just more dark. Um, but what if 
Um, you know, when people talk about angels, that they have light with them. Um, and I'm not saying, well, I guess I'm saying what if what we see in the sky, especially with UAPs, are more, they're not just crafts, but they're either angels and fallen angels. Uh, Why would we see them flying? I mean, that that sort of accepts an old paradigm that heaven is a physical place or it's, nor, you know, it's, it's 35,000 miles up or something like that, <laughs> right? I right. mean, I don't, so, yeah, I mean, it's kind of an interesting um, mashup of a couple of different things, but that's not what angels are in the Bible. I mean, certainly in art. You know, it's often portrayed that way, especially in um, Renaissance and medieval art. But uh, and I don't know, you know, beyond that, because I haven't seen what you saw. But you should at least take comfort um, in knowing that you saw something and whatever that is, it's worth sorting out. I think I'm always suspicious of. Of trying to use science to sort out something that is divine or something which is unique to a faith perspective, because then if that were true, and especially like with weather where people talk about like tornadoes coming from like the devil or whatever. And I would say that's when we, we should have the theologians giving us the weather, not meteorologists, right? We should have that. We should have wizards or something. And that's where, I don't know, but I think it's worth thinking over, and I I hope it doesn't turn into kind of sort of an obsession because I think it's such a unique blessing to ever see anything that's unusual. doesn't matter what it is that in this world, we're always faced with the mundane. It's always cool to see something which is beyond our scope of understanding at first, whether we catch up to it or not. I want to say hi to a bunch of people that are listening in Italy I don't know if they're catching it this exact second, but I'm thinking of them. There's a bunch of students from uh, the A.Q. Miller School of uh, Journalism and Communication that are in Italy studying media, uh, and uh, their leader, my co-conspirator, uh, Andrew Smith, is with them. And uh, so I don't even know. How do you even say every man a wildcat? In Italian, uno, umo, un gato, silvatico, or something like that, but ima, anyway, for all of the wildcats that are running around Rome right now. Going to be a big show tomorrow night. We're going to be talking about the Kent State Massacre um, and covering it from an angle that I bet you you never have heard before. Um, And then in the first hour on Coast to Coast, looking forward to um, the conversation we're going to have with a woman who has a new book out about the X-Files. The truth is still out there. An interesting analysis of the X-Files, and she'll take your calls. She, too, is a fan. Uh, I hope you're getting great weather wherever you are, and we're finally turning the corner uh, on winter going into spring Um, It's always weird when it's baseball season and hockey at the same time, but go Stars for whatever that's worth. And until tomorrow night, Deus Te Amat, and I do too.